Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. I'm excited to have Kathleen Marcel join the podcast today. Kathleen is a startup mentor in EIR and a senior consultant at Karima Consulting, where she helps companies grow faster by providing strategies and solutions to increase revenue from their current customers. And oh, by the way, she also ran customer success for a number of high growth startups. I think the context is important as we discuss all things customer success today on the episode. Enabling and retaining customers should be the founder's priority from day one, but too often it's an afterthought as you're thinking about chasing the next sale, the next deal. We dig into the strategies and tactics to help you grow your business through your customer success. I think this is the first time on the podcast that we've explored the topic, so buckle up and dig in, and shame on me for waiting so long. I think you'll get a lot of value about this and hopefully a little bit different perspective on your current customer base and how to better leverage not only the retention, not only cross-selling, but the ability to get referrals from them as a growth channel. So enjoy, and as a favor, if you enjoy the podcast, please do subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. It'll help us reach more folks. Appreciate it. Now, on to the interview. Hey, good morning, Kathleen. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brett. Thanks for having me. Uh, no, it's my pleasure. I've definitely been looking forward to to this episode. You know, you and I, I think started talk at the end of last year. So I'm glad that the schedule's aligned and we can now go deep into customer success and, and why that's so important for growing companies. But before we get into that, why don't you kind of share with the audience a little bit about your background and and what you're working on today, and then we'll we'll dig into it. Sure. So I actually graduated from University of Illinois with a degree in sports management and worked in the event management world for about three years and found that my favorite part of my job was working with all of the the software that I got to bring in to, to drive efficiencies. And so decided to take a pivot and start in B2B software and actually started in the support side. And the organization that I was at did not have a customer success team. And I was able to get the opportunity to to build that team from the ground up. And from there, went to two other Chicago-based startups where I did the same thing. Came in very early stage and grew that team through the the hyper growth and scaling phases, all different industries. So I was in marketing, then recruiting, and then logistics. But the foundation was the same. It was all around customer success, being able to get drive revenue from existing customers, helping customers meet their their business outcomes. So about a year ago, I took a, a change in my career and started consulting. So joined Karema Consulting where we work with early and growth stage companies, really in all aspects of customer success. So oftentimes working with early stage founders and accelerating their customer success team, helping them know where to get started, what that can look like, and really using our expertise and some of the things we've ran into over the years and helping these founders and and early stage companies around those. No, that's fantastic. And I think when you started uh, pivoting from event management and sports management into customer success, and quite honestly, in the startup world and most of the world, customer success is still a relatively new 
concept. I know there's a lot more traction and we've got folks dedicated to it now, but when you started, that had to have been a relatively new title. So yeah, how did that, was it a company that knew they needed something or did you get in there and figure out, hey, we got to build something when you first started? Yeah, so it was interesting. So I started on the support team and then they had the sales account managers would keep the account throughout And really what I was seeing from the support side is we were doing a lot of training and helping folks to use the software because we didn't have an onboarding team. We didn't have customer success managers. And like you said, it was a very new term. And so at that time, we actually called it the customer adoption team. And that was the motivator behind it. It was to get folks up and running. So we had a whole onboarding program that we developed to get folks trained and set up within 30 days and then adoption playbooks, right? And being able to help customers with how do they use this internally? How do they get this to catch on and and have more folks? So when you come to renewal, it's not a, hey, I don't use this. It's a, hey, how can I get more of this? Who are you guys again? (laughs) Exactly, right? And that's how it it started out at the beginning. They, They sign up and it was mostly SMB customers and you know you come up for the renewal and we were having some hard conversations so when I brought forward the idea of building this adoption team they're like go for it and I had two people to to start and and we were able to to really build something around it. Oh, that's awesome. And I think such an underappreciated area of all companies, I mean, especially legacy B2B companies, right? You, there's account management you kind of mentioned, but you know, that's, they're all about retention versus enablement or adoption and, and making it work. So maybe before we go too deep, I'd love to get your, your definition of customer success. Cause I think people throw that around pretty freely and it, you know, I think it can range anything from customer service, right? 1-800, I need help to account management to onboarding. I'd love to get kind of how you frame up customer success. Yeah. So I think about customer success as being extremely proactive and strategic in helping customers meet their their business outcomes. So every customer that purchases any sort of software, they have a goal in mind. And a customer success team is really there to, to support them and help customers with what's next in their journey. How do they adopt it? How do they operationalize that tool and make sure that, you know, we're focused on the customer is changing goals. And in the B2B side, your product is changing all of the time as well. A lot of these companies, especially the early side, your product is changing very, very quickly. And to have a team that can keep up with that and proactively go to customers and help them understand what's next and the value that they can get um, and sharing the ROI as well. That's a, a really key component where if you just have more of the reactive positions with the support or the customer service, you don't get that, right? And even on the the sales side, typically those folks are and should be focused on bringing in new business. And, you know, if you have them also managing existing customers, you typically see them coming in for the renewal or when things are not going well. And so CS is customer success is this team that is proactive in, in all of those things. And I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later as well, but I'd love is because would you recommend customer success as a standalone unit or have, or do they kind of go across all the accounts or do they have dedicated accounts or is it all the above? What's kind of, what, what do you kind of see as best practices for where customer success sits? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I would say one that definitely changes as 
the companies evolve. But if you're early stage and just starting out, hey, I need a, I have existing customers, I need a customer success team, even starting with one, you know, customer success manager, and that person can do onboarding, they can do uh, customer support, so they can be kind of overarching to begin. And we often see kind of early stage that that will roll into the sales. So whoever owns revenue, and then as it gets built out, we typically see it as its own function. Gotcha. And I guess that's a good, perfect segue. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So if we look at these, these growing companies, and a lot of the time I'll get involved with founders, maybe one over co-founders, and they're starting to build and bring their own customers in. But now they're getting to the point where they're going to have to start making some hires, right? So I'm a huge believer that start with customer success, because if you can keep and expand your customers versus having to all the time backfilling and looking for new customers, it makes sense. So, you know, one of the things that I've been kind of focused on lately is like buyer enablement, right? So how do you help people who don't know you get through the process as quickly, as efficiently as possible when they purchase, but then way too often, even at the early stage right? We forget about what you keep saying adoption, but enablement adoption, I think it's the same thing. So how how would you recommend, or maybe it's a couple of steps that founders, hey, we're starting to grow, we've got some success, we may have four or five customers, you know, how do I start to think about post-sale, right? I know that's super broad, but, you know, I'd love to get your perspective on, hey, we're growing, so we don't have to call you later to come in and help us fix it, you know, what's kind of your recommended approach to start to build and scale a customer success function? Yeah. And I talk with clients all the time around the the year one customer journey. And if you can get it right, right in that first year, you're going to be in a, in a much better place. So typically the way that I encourage clients, founders, um, other folks early on in the, in the customer success world is going through a customer journey mapping exercise. And putting yourself in the shoes as an actual customer and going through all of the different stages, what events are happening, what are the customer's thoughts, and then taking it internal and talking about what are your objectives during each stage and what are the key risks that you need to make sure do not happen. So you're really outlining your entire happy path, um, as I call it, and make sure that we're not, um, and you're building process around things too to support that journey. So being able to to develop that. And then from there, I would say kind of next in line is thinking about that onboarding period. And so in customer success, there's the term of, of time to value. So between the time that a customer signs a contract and actually receives value and is able to start seeing what this product, solution, whatever it may be, will do for them. But start measuring that, right? And figuring out how can you narrow your time to value? Because if customers can get value quicker, the more likely they're to be sticky. So thinking about that and really thinking about some sort of onboarding process, and it's really easy at the beginning to just do it on a customer by customer basis, but thinking about a more prescriptive approach that will work for majority of your customers, because that's how you're going to be able to to scale this team. That's how you're making sure that customers are set up in a way that they will be successful in the long term. Yeah, I love that time to value. My last corporate role, it was kind of a startup within a a corporate, but we grew 
but one of our biggest challenges was the onboarding to live, right? And it was in digital ads. So there was some lag with create. There's just a whole bunch of things that could go wrong from the time they signed the contract to the, the time they're actually seeing leads come in through their their campaigns. And I wish we would have thought, I love that idea of the time to value. So do you start the clock when the contract's signed or is it more just, Hey, there, or is it from the onboarding call? Maybe kind of walk us through. And again, if you're in the early stage, you may not go three levels deep on your processes, but make it repeatable. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I always like to start the clock as soon as that contract is signed. And so setting up, you know, an onboarding playbook of what needs to happen once a contract signed, right? What information does this customer success manager need to get from the, the sales team? How can they reach out, you know, even that same day to set up some sort of kickoff call? And that's going to look different for everyone, right? A software where you need integrations and you need technical resources is very different than, you know, a solution that can be set up in just a few days, or maybe the user can do it on their own. But thinking about what those touch points and, and milestones are and how you're able to support it. Now, do you typically see the onboarding team as part of customer success or is that a function of customer success? Because I'm thinking the fewer silos you have, probably the better better you have for consistency. But it, it, do you see kind of best practices around those two, I call them activities, I guess. It's more yeah. So early on, just from a kind of scaling and, and headcount perspective, um, it makes sense to, to combine them. But as you begin to grow, those are definitely, um, we see them as, as two separate units. And there's a few reasons. So first of all, being able to have two separate teams, you can better cut off an onboarding time, if you will, where I find if the two teams are combined, um, you can see onboarding that drag on for a long time, where if you have one team that is then passing it off to customer success, you can really make sure that you're getting all of that completed. As you you scale and begin to to hire, you find that the the skill sets for those two teams are very different as well. So the onboarding implementation can be more of a project management person where where customer success, you're really focused on that relationship building and partnering with the customers long-term. So different skill sets that will kind of come to light later on in which you would want to think about separating the units. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, one of the things we got feedback, I'll go back again to the last corporate, semi-corporate still startup, but, you know, feedback when we did some customer analysis was, you know, it felt like I was working with five different companies, right? So you maybe had an SDR that had the initial conversation, then you set up a demo with the sales rep, and maybe the sales rep closed the deal, then you had somebody to bring you through the onboarding process, and then ultimately into customer success. And maybe there was a different customer service person that was involved. And, you know, like it used to be called like the handshake model, right? Which is not good as far as his customer experience goes. So from your, your standpoint, what would you kind to recommend how do you make those transitions as smooth as possible because i agree there's different skill sets different types of folks but you don't want to start from scratch each time it's moved to another department so what are some of the keys to success say moving it from closed sales closing knowing onboarding knows that there's somebody coming down the path and ultimately customer success what have you seen that works really well to make that as seamless as possible 
Yeah, I think I'd say getting kind of that next person in the handoff involved as early as possible. And so with all of my companies where I built the the customer success teams, we would figure out how to get that onboarding manager assigned early, even before the, the deal closed and get them introduced to the customer, get them involved and then figuring out what the critical information or data points are that need to be passed over. So even if that's just a handoff form, or if you're at the point where you have a CRM, building that out where everyone can go through and look at at one place. And you talked about all of the the various roles, and, and I've heard that from so many customers, right? Of like, I have so many different points of contact. And I always like to flip it and talk about what a great thing that is, right? We're really here to support you. And I think the way that you can do that in a productive way is developing some sort of engagement model. And so this starts internally, right? And you're defining what are these different roles and really what are they responsible for? And once you do that, turn that into something customer facing. And so the customer understands, maybe I have these four people or groups that I interact with. This is how and when I interact with each. And so if we can help the customer understand each person has a very clear role and responsibility and how they engage and the method in which you engage, it really becomes much easier, both internally and externally to, to follow through and have all of those groups work together. Yeah, I love that idea. And one of the things, and I don't know if it's it's making a comeback or used to be, or we used to experiment with pods, right? So if you had the same kind of a sales rep that was helping mm-hmm. through the process, it was the same onboarding person, then it was the same account manager slash customer success that the team, that the customer knew, hey, this is my team. Where I think in you know, the last five years, maybe a little longer, it seemed to have gone away that it was... It's, it was, I don't want to say random, but it wasn't that well thought out, right? It was just mm-hmm. a handoff and who was available would get it. Are you seeing any more dedicated teams or pods to different customers? Or is it still more of a, you know, function by function, they're going to assign the best person for it? Um, I would say I see a little bit of both. And I think it depends on the complexity as well as kind of the customer tier or segments. And I've certainly done the the pod structure as well. So I think about, I guess, one way that I, I see it more frequently would be post-sale. Maybe you have an account manager, somebody that is more the relationship manager on the exec level that comes in to support the customer success managers with renewals and, and things like that and upsells. And so often we'll see maybe a pod of two to four customer success managers that all work with one account manager. So that's something more frequently where you can really get into a a good process of not having to work kind of with different people across the board um, and understanding what works, right? What are we able to upsell on? How are we going into these renewal conversations? So just to create some sort of consistency that, that can work really well. That makes sense. And again, perfect segue. You keep leading me right into my next question. Because again, this is about startups thinking about growth. And when I thought about customer success and how do we you know, leverage customer success to help grow the company? And I know that's kind of a broad question, but it's important. So how should a founder think about customer success as far as growth? And you talked a little bit with the renewals, maybe there's some upsell. So maybe this is a good time to get into the, the revenue aspect of the, of the conversation. So what's, how, how should we be thinking about customer success and, and revenue? 
Yeah. So oftentimes, you know, customer success does manage all of that, right? They do renewals and they do upsells. I would say it's really dependent upon kind of who you're selling into. So if you're an early stage company selling into large corporations, it may make sense to have someone at the more exec level where your CFMs are working with someone at a very different level on the the day-to-day. But in general, if that's not the case, um, you can definitely get away with and train up a CSM to do the renewals as well as identify and, and close upsells. And I think the most important piece there is just thinking about the compensation model and you know making sure that those folks are motivated for those things. And it's different than a sales role where it's not as commission heavy, but there's certainly a component. We see it usually as maybe like a 70, 30, 80, 20 type of, of split but enough that it's a, a motivator to be able to generate those renewals and upsells. Yeah, it's interesting because you, you're that's unique position of balancing. You want to retain them, right? It's probably the top priority. <laughs> but if we can get more, if you're doing your job or the companies and they're getting value out of your product, then it should be an easier conversation to have them expand or pick up more licenses or a complimentary product or service that goes with it. And then definitely from the renewal. So how do you recommend balancing that piece you mentioned 70-30? Is it, I'm just curious how, what you've seen work really well, and I know there's a lot of variables. So let's go general on the fact of, yeah, hey, number one responsibility is keep your book of business. How it can get pretty complex pretty quick. So how do we keep it simple, but yet aligned with with what we want to have done? Yeah. So typically as a customer success manager, kind of standard is that they're managing around 2 million in revenue. That's just a best practice. If you're very early on, your product isn't as mature, you might be closer to the 1 million, one and a half in terms of what a CSM can, can manage there. So that changes a bit, but then thinking about what portion of that are you renewing, right? And so maybe it's a a percentage based on kind of that renewal, right? Your goal is to renew your entire one and a half million dollar book and then coming up with some sort of spiff or percentage for the upsells. I've also seen in working with customers this past year on the consulting side, thinking through the ability to have CSMs actually forecast their books and working with their managers, committing to a number and getting some sort of commission or, or payment based on how close they can get to their predictions on, on their pipeline. So a lot of different ways, but I'd say thinking about the motivators and what you're trying to get your team to, to focus on, because maybe at the beginning, it's just retention, right? Upsells are, are great, but for right now, we just want to make sure that we can retain all of the customers we have. So you might put more weight on that and reward the upsells or expansion a little differently. Down the road. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, because yeah. it's interesting. So a lot of the, the founders that I've talked to on the podcast and, you know, one of the numbers that I've gone back to almost from the beginning of the podcast is there's, there's two kind of thresholds. One is only 10% of all businesses get to a million dollars in revenue and then less than 1% get to 10 million. And what I found digging in and actually these the founders that have got through those thresholds, you know, what was it? Why? 
And it, what it turns out, it really wasn't the million dollars is kind of arbitrary, but it's when their network ran out or I had a guest on just recorded. But it's once that network runs out, it can't expand. But once they figured out how to start reaching new people, that's when everything starts to go into motion, which I've got to believe is when the, the best time to get customer success you know, started to be formalized as part of that process. So again, looking back at that inflection point right before it, it may be an investment that's too early, but once you start to bring on a lot more folks, then, then it makes sense. So is that a good time to think about adding that person is once you start adding, was it, is it a million dollars, a good threshold? I know that's really general. I don't want to, <laughs> I'm not going to hold you to it, but just curious where, where that economies of scale starts to make sense. Yeah. And I think it depends on really, you know, again, your product and what your customers need to be successful. So for some companies that may be much earlier, but as I mentioned before, they can do more things, right? You can have them doing support, the onboarding, maybe there's other tasks, training, support documentation. There's a lot of different things that you can put on that person. And I also would say one of their tasks would be around turning those customers into raving fans, right? How can they partner with, do you have a marketing team? How can they be working on testimonials and referrals recommendations. So using those few early customers to help you driving revenue, creating a referral program, things like that are tasks that you can put on this early CSM role. So they're going to be wearing all of the all of the hats, but I found a lot of success in, in having them think through, okay, how can I really leverage these happy customers to get me in front of additional customers? Yeah, and that's such a good point. And maybe that's even a good to pivot back towards that as you're starting to grow, make the priority of that role is, is the customer experience, right? How do we make them fans, take care of them? And then maybe secondarily, we look at, you know, the expansion opportunities or renewal, because if they're happy and they're using the product, odds are they're going to renew. And historically, I'm going back in my legacy corporate days, those functions, account management, whatever it would be. The priority became managing that book of business and hitting the revenue number. And it did not, we weren't measuring the way we should have any of the customer experience or customer success metrics, right? So are you seeing and advocating that to find that balance or start with the experience first and then work back? I'm, I'm just curious how and how you recommend folks to, to kind of balance it. Because it is a business, but to your point, to get them to be raving fans, that experience has got to be phenomenal. Yeah. And I think it just needs to fit somewhere, right? So even if you're not at the point where you're like, I can't justify hiring a person to do it, thinking about those components or the different elements that are really important and tasking that on the internal team, right? So something like business reviews that are a standard best practice as a customer success manager, right? On a quarterly basis, having strategic conversations. If you don't have a CSM, maybe you assign an exec sponsor to every account. So you as the founder have some, your head of sales has a few customers and you're responsible to have those quarterly conversations and, and report back and really doing some of the customer success manager duties, if you will, or that proactive outreach. So there's ways to get customer success going early on before you even have your first hire. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a really great point. That's one of the things I try to to advocate as well. Think about it from the customer first through that journey. 
right? And the different touch points and all the activities either the customer has to go through or the company has to, to make sure the customer gets there. And don't worry as much about who's doing it. You can assign folks later. And you're, to your point, it may be the same person that goes from onboarding all the way through renewals. But over time, you'll find out where it makes sense to make the most investment or, or add additional folks. But curious, again, to get your thought. I know I keep taking this a little around the board here a little bit. But, you know, kind of closing the loop, right, with hey, I'm responsible for retention and ensuring that the customers are using our product, but they don't like it, they're moving. So how, how do we close the loop back to product, right? Or even sales that may be setting the wrong expectations when they're selling the product, which is an age old you know, challenge, right? Hey, we sell one thing, we onboard a different thing, and then the experience is completely different. But assuming we're now moving in a more streamlined process, you know, what, what is that feedback mechanism or closed loop to get back to products so they get all the, the information that the people on the front lines that are hearing it from the customers every day are actually getting? I, to me, this is still a big gap in startups through legacy B2B companies trying to figure this out. Yeah, for sure. And I think a piece of it is making sure you have some sort of feedback process in place. And from the product side, especially at the early stage, it's arming or giving the CSM some ammo of, of what is coming. Because as a CSM, if I can talk about, hey, these are all of the great things we're working on over the next few months, it's a great way to pivot away from the conversation of you know all of the customizations and the one-off requirements that you're going to get in the, in the early stages. And so partnering together, making sure that they're trained up and ready to have that conversation. And then you know, on the flip side, you're always going to get feedback, right? And you want to make sure that you're listening to that and leveraging that early. And so just having a forum to have those conversations, even if it's on a monthly basis that the customer success manager is is bringing those things forward, or they have a format to to get it in front of the team, but just making sure it's a a unified approach, even getting a product folk on a call with the customer and the CSM can go a really long way at the beginning. And it's hard because those teams are very siloed and product has a lot on them at the at the early stages, but making the time for that will will just be invaluable. Yeah. And I think the more you can formalize it without making it put and get value out of the meetings, right? So if it's once a month, we're going to be covered. Here's the top four issues or complaints or feedback I've gotten from customers, product, here's this, share the roadmap back, right? So what can we expect? And again, you would think that would be fairly intuitive. <laughs> But, but it's not, I mean, I had, you know, one of the sayings I've been using for now for a little bit is, you know, treat your customers like prospects and your prospects like customers, because, you know, don't take your prospects for granted, but don't assume your customers know everything you're, you're educating the prospects on. And, you know, there's, if you've got customers that have been in your, within, with the organization for two, three years, they may not even be aware of everything that's now available to them because it just goes through the motions. So. You know, I think it's so important to, if at all possible, as soon as possible, eliminate at least the data flow back and forth and um, easier said than done, but it's going to create a much, much, much better experience. So. Yeah. And you talked about the, the cadence and I think having it, you know, even once a month or whatever that is, it allows you to pull themes as opposed to the one-offs and really forces you to take a look at it holistically because otherwise it is just unmanageable, right? You're just getting so many requests that 
product can never keep up and respond to all of them. But if you're putting it on the, the customer success team of, hey, give us four themes every month of what you're hearing, they're going to look at that data that they're getting from the customers and the feedback a bit differently. Yeah. Now, and the earlier, the better, right? It becomes part of the DNA of the organization. As you scale, it's much easier versus now you're at a million dollars, you try to incorporate it. You can do it, but it's going to be a much, much heavier lift. Everything's harder later. Yes. <laughs> uh, so true. All right. So before I get to my, my final two questions, the one other thing, because obviously you're working for a consulting firm that you know focused on customer success with high growth companies, uh, maybe share some, are they bringing you in because they, they're trying to fix a problem or they're anticipating the growth and maybe you know, share some things, maybe what not to do, right? <laughs> not that they shouldn't call you and work with you, but you know, what are some of the common opportunities or pitfalls that you're running into with the companies that, that call you? Yeah. So I would say one of the, or a few of kind of the main pitfalls, one would be, hey, we have a lot of customers and we're doing everything one-off, right? And so we come in to help them build prescriptive ways to onboard. We come up with playbooks for how to make sure customers are executing on their their business objectives, things like that. We also partner with many customers more on the, the voice of the customer side. So okay. maybe you have an existing base of customers and you're not able to retain them. And so we do interviews internally, we work with clients and, and get that feedback, you know, what is going on both from a product, internal support, sales across the board, what could be optimized. So I guess the the recommendation to, to folks listening would be coming up with that, that feedback. How can you catch those early? Maybe doing churn post-mortem sessions. You know, if you're losing a customer, taking a hard look at every single thing that went into that and document it, right? And again, pulling out the, the themes. I'm a big believer in looking at, at data at scale and pulling themes from that. And that's going to be much more telling. And so it's, I would say it's a little bit across the board. So we'll come in for, for customers at that side that say, hey, we have a team, but we need help in, in building process. And then the, there's other early stage companies that maybe are not at the stage to hire a chief customer officer, a VP of CS, but they know they need that leadership. And so we work with them from a, a fractional perspective and are able to, to come in um, other customers will have maybe a junior person that they say, hey, they're going to run CS. So I do a lot of uh, coaching and work with those leads that have the ability, they understand the product, they've been there for a while, they just don't have the customer success background. So we're able to come in and, and guide them on that path. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a big believer in not reinventing the wheel and there's help out there for companies. If you guys are listening and thinking about how do I better manage our customer, or we're starting to grow. You know, give Kathleen a call and they'll help you think because there is resources out and it's really hard for founders to balance everything. And you may not need a full-time person for the, the strategy piece of it, but just need help to build out the infrastructure. So I think that's such great advice. And I do want to circle back to the, the voice of the customer because I'm passionate about hearing it from the customer. Don't assume you know, right? As a founder, as a company, talk to your customers and even better, you know, spend the money and have a third party. It doesn't have to be super formal, right? Get somebody to talk to your customers. And I also a big believer of the win-loss analysis. Why didn't we win, right? right. So that's not quite customer success, but they all, they all kind of feed together. So uh, I guess I didn't realize that you guys did that as well. So that's, that's 
Again, I'm a huge believer in doing it. <laughs> Set that up as soon as possible. The founders are usually pretty good about getting feedback. Mm -hmm. But if you're selling into your network, they may not be as critical or as honest as you may need them to be as you start to reach new folks. So do you recommend setting that up as a formal process to do it on a quarterly, a monthly, or ad hoc? What? And I know there's no one size fits all, but is there kind of some recommended best practices that you would you would share? Yeah, I think ad hoc works at the beginning, right? Making sure you're at least having those those conversations. And just again, depends on, on the scale. So if you're a little bit further down the path and you're realizing, hey, you know, our retention's not where we want to be, doing that as something more formal makes a lot of sense. But I think there's ways you can get in front of it um, and even do it on your own early, you know, doing it more one-off. Yeah, no, that's that's good advice. And all right, so before we wrap, I always you know ask the you know, two questions. First one is you know what's what's next for you here? We're in the early part of 2021, which is hard to believe, but what's the focus for you guys this year? Yeah, so continuing really partnering with the early and, and growth stage companies. We work with a lot of the Chicago incubator kind of early stage startups. So we do a lot of mentoring through through those groups and then just continuing to push forward with all my clients and accelerating their customer success functions. Voice of customer is a, a huge focus for us this year, really something that we're seeing customers have the, the need for and we're really able to uncover some, some great findings both internally and with customers that they can quickly act on. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Again, I know we, we keep coming back to it, but you know, growing a company is so much easier to get that scalable growth if you can keep the customers you have. And, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit too, but you know, get those raving fans, because guess what? They're going to recommend other folks it's a hell of a lot easier to get new business in the door when other people are telling them to come in the door versus you trying to cold or outreach into it. So it all fuels the growth engine and it seems backwards, but it really can be the the growth or should be the growth engine for, for startups. So Absolutely. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that, but I'm not letting you go. Last question is, what is one thing you would highly recommend? It could be personal or professional. What's top of mind for you these days? I would say if you haven't already, uh, run a marathon. I have, I've run 10 and the the mental strength and focus that comes with training and crossing the finish line on a, on a marathon, I think can be applied to so many areas of your life. So I'm a, a big runner and love to run marathons for that reason. <laughs> that's awesome. And I can, that's a, a first, I think 80 plus, and, <laughs> but you're right. It is such a good advice. And it's so funny you said, cause I've run one in my life, right? Okay. It was a bucket list and this was 20 years ago. And I tell people it was the greatest experience and it was the worst experience, but you're right. There's a lot of time and prep. You got to put the effort, the dedication to get in there. But then in the middle of the race, now your experience is probably not that way. But by mile like 20, I'm like, why? Oh, I've been there. Yep. It's the mental. <laughs> it was horrible. But then, you know, the crowds start to back when we had crowds, you know, we're still there as you get closer to the finish line. It was just, yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think that's a, really unique perspective, but I'd agree with that. I think there's a few, maybe try a triathlon after you get bored with your marathons, but yeah, that was, I don't mind running. I like running, but I, I will not do another marathon, <laughs> but I'm glad I did the one. So that's great. <laughs> awesome. Tough to do in the Chicago weather. So even more 
kudos to you for being able to do that. But all right, well, Kathleen, thank you very much for joining us. You know, like I said, customer success is a passion of mine, so I'm glad we made this work. And shame on me for taking 80 episodes to get somebody to to focus on this. But better late than never. And you know, I'd love to have you back on in the in the future to kind of talk about you know, maybe even some more tactical and how to type of thought. I think we cover a lot of the, the broad, a few tactical, but I think there's some really deeper insights we can get into. So if you're up to that or up for that, I'd love to have you back on in the, the future to talk about it. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks so much for having me, Brett. And if people are interested in learning more about you and the company, you know, what's the best way, way to connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on on LinkedIn, uh, Kathleen Marcel, or you can go to our website, karemaconsulting.com, and you'll be able to get some more information there. Awesome. And we'll put in the show notes so people can easily find you. And again, thank you for sharing your customer wisdom with us today. <laughs> and uh, you know, have a great rest of your day. You too, Brett. Thanks. Right, thanks. Take care. 